the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Welcome to What a Life with Paul Batura. Paul is a best-selling author, writer, Fox News contributor, and vice president of communications at Focus on the Family. This is a show about the extraordinary value of every life. It's a show about movers, shakers, and culture shapers. And now, here's your host, Paul Batura. Well, thanks, Dr. Bill. Welcome to the show. Boy, it's always good to be with you. One of my favorite hours of the week. Wherever you are, thanks for joining. And special thanks to Salem Media for producing, hosting, and distributing this show. Now, I wonder how many of you out there remember Andy Rooney. Now, he was the curmudgeonly guy at the end of CBS's 60 Minutes each Sunday night. Now, he always had an entertaining observation, and is often about silly things. I mean, he remember him lamenting about how few cashews were in a can of mixed nuts compared to the picture on the can. You know, you'd show the can and then show you open, and there are the mixed nuts minus many of the cashews. And I could relate to that because I love cashews, and I always thought I was getting uh, a bit snookered when I bought the mixed nuts. But what I love about Andy Rooney is he had a way of saying things just so, and he once said that it, He said, if you can smile when no one is around, you really mean it. And I was thinking about that, about our guest today. I can't tell you how many times I found myself smiling when nobody else was around when I was either listening to or watching him. Joining us is the Swan. He's also known as the Minister of Encouragement. Uh, He's Dr. Dennis Swanberg. He's an ordained minister. He's a comedian. He's an author, an impressionist, a motivational speaker, teacher, friend raiser, fundraiser, and most importantly, well, he's also a husband, a father, and a grandfather, but most importantly, he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I first met Dr. Dennis 25 years ago, more than 25 years ago, when I started working at Focus on the Family, and my wife actually met him before me. He wouldn't remember this, but she was working on one of his television shows at FamilyNet in Fort Worth. Now, what does that all mean? That means that I'm old now, and uh, I have the privilege, though, to grow old with the help of a good man like Dr. Dennis Swanberg. So thanks for joining us today, Dr. Dennis. Hey, Paul. Man, I'll tell you what, you're, you're taking me down, uh, bringing me back to memory lane, and uh, almost makes me want to break into the Billy Graham right <laughs> off the bat and say, Paul, you, you touched me. <laughs> or, Paul, that make, reminds me of the time when I did a little thing for you when you did your book on, uh, on uh, Paul Harvey, and I did a little recording for you. And now... The rest of the story. <laughs> now, if you keep we, that we, up, we, people we are going to want to hear back. that. Yeah, we do go back a few years. But hey, I want to let me start here. Um, okay. Are you still sore? Uh, uh, you know, over Floyd Leone making you pay seventy-five cents for extra meat at lunch on Sunday. I'm going to tell you, Floyd Leone, uh, man, six-two-two-twenty in his prime, uh, raised as a sharecropper, just east of Austin. Uh, man's man, fast pitch softball player in charge of the tea on Wednesday night supper, and that's huge at church, at Baptist church, because you just don't move into that spot. You work your way up, and uh, 
Floyd was in charge of the tea. Uh, but yeah, my daddy, we were conservative. If we went to a cafeteria, that was huge. You know, that was like on a Friday, maybe. And we're going through the line and he's going, everybody get your hardware, get your hardware. And everybody drink water. Good night. I ain't paying for tea. And, you know, all his going through all that. But as I got to be a teenager, man, I was so hungry. You know, I was an athlete. I tell my boys now, you know, I need a T-shirt that says the older I get, the better I was. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm hungry. We were state champs in football three out of four years in Texas, and that's huge. I said, Daddy, man, can I have two two meats, two chicken fried steaks, and old Floyd, I mean, he didn't miss a, uh, uh, anything. He goes, you got 75 cents, son? Huh? I'll pay for one, but I ain't paying for two. Good night. Well, I, I had to pay for my second one. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a tight Swede right there. Uh, hardworking man. Well, what's the great, when I finally got my doctorate, and, you know, when I told him I was going to work on a doctor, he said, well, I'm like, why would you do that just for people to call you doctor? God, not. I said, no, daddy, you know, to be, learn more, do better. Well, God, not. Well, when I finished, uh, when I graduated and got hooded and all that stuff, uh, we finished at noon. And he said, uh, and my mama, Pauline Bernadine, he said, we're going to take y'all out to eat. It's on us now. It's on us. And, uh, I looked at my wife, and I told her ahead of time, honey, let's just go to White's Cafeteria. It's over right over there. She said, for your doctorate? I said, baby, we'll go out to eat you and me somewhere nice tonight. Just go with the flow. My people, we weren't white-collar. We weren't blue-collar. We were more ring around the collar. So we go to that cafeteria. And so Lori and I, we're in line, and we're up ahead. Daddy said, tell everybody, tell that lady up front, I've got all this covered. I got it covered. Okay, Dad, calm down. Good night. And uh, so we're going through the line, and right as I'm getting ready to get my meat, my daddy, Floyd Leon, my hero, he said, Dan, I said, yes, sir, get two mates if you want. <laughs> oh, that's and sweet. I, say, I, about, I about lost it. You know, that was my dad's, that was a huge way for my dad to say how proud mm. of now, your dad, was, uh, did you eat less bread that time? Because he always told you to load up on the bread, <laughs> load right? Load up on bread. You got it. Fill up on bread. And now, you know, bread to me, Paul, is like dessert. And um, my wife won't let me have it, you know, because I've had, you know, you get older, got issues and diets. But, man, mm, I think back on those days. I wish <laughs> wish Floyd was around to say, eat bread, load up, son, load up. Yeah, and you, drink water. Your, your dad went to heaven back uh, 2012, 2013, around there? Uh-huh. Yeah, and I missed him. As a matter of fact, knowing that uh, you and I were going to be talking. Man, I got out his Bible. Man, my dad was, he was, uh, you know, he left when he finished high school at 16. You know, he hitchhiked from uh, Maynard, Texas, out there in the country, 15 miles into Austin, and just went walking, looking for a job, and walked into uh, this place where they ran printing presses, and they printed all the insurance policies for the state of Texas. That one place, you know, uh, wind, storm, loss, hail, damage, all that kind of stuff. And they hired him at 16, and he stayed there for 45 years. Mm. You know, uh, my dad, uh, and my dad was a smart man. I looked through his Bible. I got him, a, Mama got him a Ryrie study Bible way back in 85. And I was looking through that today, and my dad was smart. He was a 
teacher. He was uh, a major in the uh, 36th Infantry Division, O.T. Patch of Texas, 21 years. He was a leader. He was he was a smart man. A lay, he'd do a little lay preaching. Uh, never heard him cuss, you know. But old Floyd, uh, he was consistent. And, uh, and he, you know, I still have a couple of his, you know, uh, print and press. You know, they'd have to, back then, if you know, had one change of and or or, or you had to redo the whole thing. And uh-huh. I have some of that uh you know, printing press, uh, lettering and stuff, you know, just, mm-hmm. I just look at it. I'm just reminded of him, I, just little things that, um, you know, because, you know, Revelation fourteen thirteen is true. Blessed are they that die in the Lord, their works follow after them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that wherever I go and entertain, you know, so many people go, Hey, are you going to tell us about Floyd Leon, Pauline, Bernadine? Uh, people relate to that, Good, solid layman. Found you know, it, yeah, foundational for you. Guy. Found yeah. that, you know, not famous, but famous to me and known now by many thousands, I guess you could say, because of the last 29 years of me being out here on the road full time. Uh, oh, Floyd Leon, that's a true verse. Your yeah. works, your legacy follows after you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I lost my parents uh, seven, twelve years ago. Both mom and dad, and you know, I, mm. they were both believers. So I'll see them again. But I have, I have a, a sense that they don't really die. They're part of us. You know, wherever we, yeah. we, I wonder what qualities of your both mom and your mom is still living. Pauline Bernadine is still about to celebrate her ninety fourth birthday, right? Yeah, and she's sharp, and I get her Alfred Dunner outfit. And, uh, you know, a little blouse, a little jacket, and the, and the breeches are elastic, Woo! you know, and uh, she still wears too much talcum powder, you know. When she mashes them taters at Christmas time, the talcum powder poofs out of Alfred Dunner outfit, with, and our food looks like powdered donuts. But we love Pauline Bernadine, and she's sharp, and she has Bible studies every week at her independent living center. She loves David Jeremiah. We have a turning point experience all the time. I'm talking. And, uh, <laughs> you're, you know, no, I mean, yeah. still take you know doing Bible studies. She's, you know what? She's proven that man. Uh, we need the Word when we're young, middle aged, uh, before we're going to see Jesus. That that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God lasts forever. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The voice you're hearing is uh, Dr. Dennis Swanberg. He's known as the Minister of Encouragement. Uh, if you haven't heard him before. You got to YouTube him, look him up. He's on tour. He could be coming to a city near you soon. And um, uh, I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life: Lessons from Legends. And uh, I, Doctor Swanberg, you're a legend in uh, in our world, and we, we're so grateful for you. It's fun to hear about your mom and dad. I'm curious. Uh, we'll talk more about them as we go along here. But who other? Uh, what other heroes did you have growing up? Uh, in you were in Louisiana. Is that right? Well, I grew up in Austin, Texas, and, uh, you know, our high school, uh, my coaches were pivotal to me. Uh, Marshall Edwards, who was our high school football chaplain, we called him rabbi. You know, he'd give us our pep talk before uh, kickoff. And when I saw him, and and he was he was fun, he was real, he was genuine. He just, he just wasn't just 
the the pastoral guy that says, now we're going to have a time of prayer, boys, before we go out there to the field, you know, which is nothing wrong with that, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. I mean, he he was sort of normal and fun and funny, and I saw some something winsome about him, and he was 32 and married, had a couple little kids, and and uh, and I, I I saw what he had and and I wanted it, you know. Mm. And uh, it's during the Jesus movement, and sure enough, March 15, 1971, after we beat Odessa Permian in the state championship football, John H. Reagan High School, uh, you know, I I did the football banquet. Coach had me get up and do the football banquet and everything, and I was. And it's the first time I ever spoke before an audience, and they laughed because I did, I did Muhammad Ali. I'm the greatest. I'm a, I, I want Frazier. I want him. I'm going to get him. I would do, you know, Barney Five. Has anybody seen Thelma Oh, and if you got a bad attitude, nip it in the bud. And then I'd do my coaches and my our principal, and the people just roared. I couldn't believe. It. You know, I, I realized that I guess I was funny. And the next day in the newspaper, uh, the headline said, Swanberg steals the show. Uh, <laughs> there was a lieutenant governor. Lieutenant Governor Ben Barnes was going to be our speaker. and uh, But I'd got, gotten up there first, and the write-up on the next day was, Swanberg steals the show. How good did that make I, you feel to hear that roar of the crowd? I could do something. I, I, you know, I connected with the people. I didn't understand how... I was funny, but I knew that I was. And, uh, you know, I, my dad and I and mom and my sisters, Sherry Darlene and Terry Lynn, we would watch, you know, Bob Hope and Red Skelton. And uh, I love Rich Little, you know, and his impersonations on Johnny Carson. And I loved people that could make you laugh. I sort of idolized them. And all of a sudden, I, in high school, I realized I could, pick up voices and you know if it's green acres oh mr uh, pat butcher oh mr haney now let me just say this oh that's too rough uh what a great day today is and i just picked up these voices i i, I watched jimmy store movie like it's a wonderful wonderful life i no mind as a failure who has a friend. I, you, you, you know what I'm saying, Paul. And so I just did all those different voices and coaches, and all of a sudden I realized I had something. And then when I got uh, saved, when I was converted, when I came to Christ, uh, then Marshall Edwards, old rabbi, said, man, you, I want you to – I called him that night I got saved, uh, which was a Monday night. And I, I probably got to say the night before, but I'd gone to hear Conway Twitty and the Twitty Birds at a honky tonk. But hello, darling. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> finally, on that Monday night, I, I I did give my life to Christ, and I called the rabbi and told him, and he took me out to eat the next day, and then uh, he had me give us my testimony the next Sunday. I mean, I I didn't know. He said, "Just tell what happened." So I got up and. Everybody responded to that, and man, I was changed. I was a new person. I, I was, I did one of those one eighties. Even though I looked like I was the all American boy and I could play the part and the role, I knew deep down I was lost. And uh, so, 
Marshall Edwards, uh, my, he lives in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Uh, health is not good, but uh, I, I drove up there and saw him uh, the other day, and he's he's a hero to me. He made mm-hmm. a difference in my life, and uh, he got me into Baylor. And, uh, you know, when I got to Baylor, I was nervous because I'd been raised a Methodist, and I, I got there and thought everybody's going to be walking around going, Hello, brother. <laughs> How are you? I thought, you know, a little Catholic Episcopalian touch, but I got there and they weren't that way. They didn't dance much, but the girls kissed real good. And so I said, I'm a, I ain't fighting these Baptists. I'm gonna, I'd rather smooch and dance any day. So I'm joining them. So, <laughs> uh, and then after I got into Baylor, Marshall then came up there to Baylor to Columbus Avenue Baptist Church that same semester, and then that spring. He wanted me to be his youth pastor, uh, and I didn't know anything about that. Didn't even know about being called into the ministry. I just said, well, I'll help you because, I mean, he did so much for me. And then that first, uh, that summer, uh, after my freshman year, I finally heard him talking about the call of God. And on July the 4th, 1973, I said, you know what? I think I am called to do this Mm -hmm. the rest of my life. Uh, Before that, you know, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't going to go to college when I was in high school. I was on plan two, non-college bound. I was going to, Daddy and I did moving and hauling uh, on the side like two men in a truck. And I was just going to do that and build a build a business out of that. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't think I was capable, you know, to go to college really. I mean, I had a four-year football scholarship at Lamar University in Beaumont. And... Uh, but I was going to do that just, you know, because they'd pay my way. But I left after a week and came home, and Marshall Edwards got me, and my dad took me to Baylor wow. on Friday. School started on um, on Tuesday. Next thing I know, I was up there to play baseball for Coach Dutch Schrader. At, uh, wow. And uh, so, I mean, just, well, I, you know, I had to take the ACT test again. Well, you know, the first time I made a 16 on it. Then I made a, they made me take it again. I made another 16, but you put them together. 32. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dr. Dennis Swanberg. I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life, Lessons from Legends. We're hearing about Dr. Swanberg's life and kind of an unusual path to ministry. Maybe not so unusual. We we all know pastors who didn't necessarily have that bolt of lightning strike them uh, and suddenly uh, turn them into the pastor that we know them today. But I'm, I'm just curious, Dr. Dennis, you know, the, doing the impressions Obviously, you had a, a sense for what humor is and how it works and how it connects. You talk about wanting to maybe go into the moving business. Did it never occur to you? Did you never want to try stand-up or you know, be the next Johnny Carson uh, well, back then? I thought about that sometimes, you know, but, you know because at, when, at school when we'd have a dance, the band would always take a break, you know, maybe a 15-minute break. And when that happened, my my friend said, Swan, get on up there. And so I'd hop up there and do stand-up. I didn't even know it was called stand-up. And I'd just do my thing. And, uh, I, you know, I did, you know, junior high, I thought about being a radio uh, announcer, announcing football games. I used to record, uh, you know, football games that I'd be watching on my little tape recorder. Okay, he's got the ball. He's going back. He throws the ball. You know, and I'd record myself listen to that I, so I uh, when they'd give you those tests to see what you had interest in I always had television radio hmm. uh, but 
I just I didn't know how I would ever get there. Uh, and so, you know, it just shows the grace of God, the goodness of God that I couldn't I couldn't have done it on my own. You know, like Chuck Swindoll says, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know, he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> and well, I've had a lot of people that have put me on a fence post. So you started out in youth ministry, um, yeah, helping there. Youth. Yeah. And then, you, and you know, and it related back then when I was doing all those voices, they all knew all those voices. I mean, they all knew Howard Cosell, Howard Cosell, no doubt about it, the thrill of victory, the uh, uh, agony of defeat. They all knew Billy Graham and heard Billy Graham preach all over the world on television over and over. And they all knew Barney Fife. Oh, you got a nip it in the bud. And they knew John Wayne, less than up and less than good. So when I would do my Bible studies and preach youth camps and youth revivals, you know, I would those intros times with those voices and, and funny stuff, they, you know, they related and hooked with me. So they wanted me to go do more youth camps and youth revivals. And, uh, and, and I, so I did, you know, I was, I guess I was a natural at it and I just fell into it. And I didn't even know early on, I said, is that okay to do voice impersonations at a church or with youth? And, and Rabbi told me, he said, listen, he said, uh, Ephesians 5, 1 says, be imitators of God. You do your voice impersonation, then talk to him about being an imitator of God. I went, so that's in there? <laughs> so, That'll work. Did you ever impersonate Billy Graham in front of Dr. Graham? Oh, yes. Yeah, in the year 2000, uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association called and said, would you come and entertain Dr. Graham and his staff uh, up there at the Cove? And I said, well, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I felt led. And sure enough, uh, we got to eat supper together. And uh, I said, Dr. Graham, I sure hope you don't mind me imitating you in front of everybody. He leaned over to me, and he was so gracious. He said, you could take over. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, when you're ADD, you, you think someone's telling the truth, you know. And, uh, and then uh, another time we were... Uh, we were in these rockers rocking together at the Cove, and I said, I was so nervous. I said, Dr. Graham, these are these are nice rockers. And he said, it was my idea to put rockers all over the Cove, and people like to rock. Ruth and I had rockers at our home in Montreat, and friends come over, and we rocked together. And I don't know why I said it, but I said, Cracker Barrel has some nice rockers. <laughs> they do. It's true. I thought, yeah. I thought I'm an idiot. But he was so gracious. He said, there's too many people at Cracker Barrel. And I went, right, that's right. But he was always good to me, and I did many things for them, and I still do things for them, for the Billy Graham Museum, uh, their renovation, fundraising, uh, Speak at the Cove, and uh, Will Graham, his grandson, and our good friends. And they just continue to uh, be such a, a blessing and uh and accommodate the swan. Mm. Uh, I tell people, you, you know, we imitate people that you that you admire, that you like, that that are so interesting. And of course, I'd watch him at Grandma and Grandpa's out on the farm, and he'd be preaching and saying, "Want you to come? We'll wait for you." And of course, I'd add the little twist, and we've chained all the buses together. You can't leave until you come forward. And 
you know, people laugh when I'll do that. And Dr. Graham laughed when I did that, you know, for him one time live, you know, when he's sitting right there in front of me looking at me. But, uh, you know, a little laughter is so helpful for all of us. Mm. And and I'm glad that he enjoyed it. And uh, his pastor told me one time, I said, how's Dr. Graham? Well, how does he feel about me? Good night. I'm sort of crazy. And uh, he said, he thinks you're hilarious. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> praise the Lord. Well, we but do. He was, he was so good. A lot of us do, too. And uh, this is this is fun. We're only halfway through our conversation here. I'm Paul Petura. This is uh, what a Life, Lessons from Legends. We're talking with Dr. Dennis Swanberg, uh, the famed Impressionist, uh, former pastor, really never maybe a former pastor. Pastors always continue. He's continuing to pastor. And when we come back, I'd like to talk to you, uh, uh, Dr. Swanberg, about that big transition. I want to talk about your time in the pulpit, but then also that big decision you made to kind of lay down the day-to-day church work and decide to go out on the road. That had to have been a difficult, at least risky decision to do that. Um, and then I, I don't think we've heard from Ronald Reagan yet. That would be good if we could uh, maybe close us out with a little Reagan. We'll do it. All right. Well, uh, again, uh, we'll be back in just a, a minute or two here as we take a break. Here from our sponsors, I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life, Lessons from Legends. This is Dr. Dennis Swanberg. And uh, we're going to be back uh, just in a few minutes. Thanks. Well, welcome back. I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life, Lessons from Legends. We're talking with Dr. Dennis Swanberg. Uh, he's an author. He's a comedian. Uh, he's a former pastor. And uh, he's with us for, for this hour. And uh, Dr. Swanberg, uh, so good to have you here. And we've only kind of scratched the surface talking about your life and uh, I think we're up to the point where, you know, you're out of college, you're about to, you out of youth ministry, you get called into full-time ministry. Uh, a lot of your routines when you go out on the road are filled with all kinds of hilarious anecdotes about being a pastor. But I'm curious, yeah. uh, uh, what was your first assignment and, you know, as a lead pastor, senior pastor, and what are some impressions you got from that uh, that role? Well, you know, I was... Uh, as an associate kind of uh, role from 1973 to 1979. And uh, that's when Laurie and I got married. My little honey love, my sugar babe, my woman, four foot eleven going to heaven. But uh, And I still tell people she's still a brunette. Uh, about every three weeks, God does a miracle. How, how did you guys meet? Fact, he's, do, he's doing one today as we speak, and I'll get the bill on my phone. Uh, how, how did you meet? Bit, how did you meet her? <laughs> I met her when I was up in uh, when I left Baylor. I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I was up there uh, serving the Lord. You know, going to class and working up there uh, for the first uh, you know three years. And uh, she was in a little Baptist uh, student union singing group and came and sang for my youth. And when she walked in there, I went hubba 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 in the Greek. Uh, I said, Lord helped me make a move on this little woman. She went to TCU, Texas Carnal University. A little humor there. She's a frog, and I'm a Baylor bear. But, uh, you know, I, I felt we could be equally yoked. And uh took me about a year to convince her, but she married me. And so we've got, you know, over 44 years in now. Mm. So uh, uh, we're going to stay together. <laughs> and so she agreed, like, to be a pastor's wife. Was there any yeah, discussion I mean, you know, about that? that? Was scary, you know, I, 
when we got uh, married, uh, I was an associate pastor, and uh, but before we got married, I took her with me when I was preaching like a revival, and I said, "Hey, you know, here's part of the deal: you got to hear me for four days straight to see, and and you got to imagine, can I listen to him as a pastor and preach for the rest of my life? I mean, I know that's, I know you're just going to get a sample of four nights, but you know, you got to be able to, can you, can you do it? And uh, praise the Lord, she said yes. And six months after we were married, I got my first pastor where I was the lead pastor, the senior pastor, the only pastor at uh, First Baptist Rogers, Texas, just, uh, you know, about 50 miles south of Baylor University, Jerusalem on the Brazos, the Mecca of Christianity. Uh, that'll get everybody stirred up. But anyhow, uh, go Bears. But uh, that was my first where I was the pastor and uh, Parsonage, and they were wonderful. You know, uh, they let me develop and preach, you know, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, and they they loved me. And, you know, there were characters. But man, and, and those four years there, man, gave me material. That was, you know, when I talked about the mural behind the Baptist baptism, uh, baptismal pool, you know, it, beautiful mural one of our ladies painted a picture of jesus and john the baptist two white guys blue eyes blonde hair beautiful jewish people standing in the brazos river and 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 in the background a picture of two armadillos you know what i mean it's just you know how do you how do you you know and so anyhow and those people they're still close to me and mm. then we went to first baptist saginaw for four years then we went to second baptist hot springs for four years then we were at First Baptist West Monroe, Louisiana, where the Duck Dynasty boys are for four years. And I knew the Duck Dynasty boys before uh, when they were just ducks. And <laughs> what were and, they? What were they like? Were they trouble to you in, in church? No, man. They're my they, matter of fact. Uh, Willie's uh, wife, Corey, her parents, the Howards, uh, uh, had Howard Publishing. You know, they did all those uh, books. Uh, you know. Uh, hugs for moms, hugs for dads, hugs for redheads, hugs for everybody. They published the first few of my books. Huh. And so we've been good, dear friends all these years. I'm so thankful for the success they've had. They're they're good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyhow, while I was there at First West, that was my Camelot. That was, that was my, I loved uh, West Monroe, Monroe, Louisiana. Lori and I, to this day, we love the Louisiana people. And I was just there four years, and I'd come to a point, uh, Paul, and I'm going to get a little open here with you. You know, when you're like me and you, you're asked to go speak all the time, uh, even if you want a church about it, hey, I go, I speak, you know, do banquets, on, you know, and I'll do it on my day off or time during vacation, or I'll do it on a revival time that you give me. The perception often is, well, he's gone all the time. You know, we want our pastor to be just a, for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And after four years, we grew. We built a children's building. We acquired 24 pieces of property around the church. Uh, budget, you know, doubled. Uh, you know, just a lot, of, a lot of blessings. But I sensed, like Grady Nutt once said, who was a great Christian humorist, used to be on Hee Haw and what have you. He said, you know, every pastor deserves to have a pastor where they feel like he's our shepherd and they don't have to share him so much. And uh, I, I realized that that's often the perception or need. And so Laurie and I, I was 41 years old, and I said, honey, 
what do you think? Do you think I can make it out there? And and I will say this, you know, sometimes there's a there's there's a four percent of people in 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 a, any church or organization that can that can be hard on you, uh, and sometimes they can wound your spirit. And I to this day, my encouragement to pastors, especially young pastors in, in churches, don't break their spirit, don't wound their spirit. They're young, they're growing, they're maturing. Uh, you know, I know you love Dr. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah. I know you love Dr. Charles Stanley. I know you love Dr. Dobson. I know you love, uh, you know, this one and that one. But they're, they're, but, but they had, they had years to grow and mature. And let your young pastor grow and just swallow hard and act like he's your son-in-law and love. Him. Let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Swanberg: How do people, even inadvertently, unknowingly, how do, how do we sometimes wound pastors? Uh, we wound pastors by, you know, making an inadvertent statement to somebody like, you know, we just need to pray him out of here. Mm. Well, now how is that a? <laughs> and then that gets back to you, or, or someone's just being crotchety, and you walk out the back, and and uh, he says, well, you didn't have much time to prepare this week, did you, brother Dennis? <laughs> oh and, boy, you know, well, that may be one out of a hundred, but when you go to bed that night, that's who you see and that's who you hear. And, you know, you need to have a tough skin and a tender heart, but not everybody is born with a tough skin and you can, you can wound guys and, and, and they're trying, uh, they're doing their best. They think about ministry all the time and laymen, we think about it. And I can say it now, cause I've been out of the pastor 29 years. I think about it 10 minutes on the way to church and 10 minutes leaving church. That pastor thinks about it 24-7. But anyhow, Laurie said, I said, what do you think, baby? And she said, I think you can do it. I said, do you think so? And so so I I went to my church, and uh, I resigned And on a Sunday morning. And I said, come back tonight, and I'll tell you why. And I told them I'm going into the ministry of encouragement. I'm going to go out there and use my gifts, my humor. Try to touch as many lives as I can, you know. And at that time, I only had one event booked. Wow. I was, going, I was going. What have I done? And I mean, because I was at a good sized church running thirteen hundred Bible study. I mean, I'm stepping out, uh, you know, a scary time. And uh, and the church was very warm about it, and you know, encouraging me. And uh, you know, they even were going to started planning a, a commissioning service for me into the ministry of encouragement. And uh, so the next day on Monday, uh, Dr. Dobson, unbeknownst to me, they decided to play uh, that cassette tape of mine. It wasn't good quality, if you remember. It it was uh, done on a little Radio Shack recorder uh, at a Deacon's thing in Terrell, Texas. Hmm. Uh, and he played that. And in 19, that was 1995, spring of 95, and it just boom. And then I think he played the other part of it, you know, like a month later. And then six months later, I was in Sarasota, Florida, and I'm preaching at Sarasota Baptist, and I look up and coming in the back door is Jim and Shirley Dobson, who found out that I was down there. Mm. And after I fin- I said, Lord, help me be good. Help me either do real good or take my shallow stuff and make them think it's something. <laughs> and God and God said, I'm going to take your shallow stuff and make them think it's something. So when I finished preaching, 
everybody in the church went and shook their hands. I, I just stood down there, there by the pulpit, you know, thinking, I'm here. And uh, But then Dr. Dobson and Miss Shirley came up to me, and he said, Swanee, I've been wanting to meet you, and he hugged me. And Miss Shirley said, I want I want a copy of that sermon. Did they record that? And, and then Dr. Dobson said, Swanee, I want everything you got. And I, I hated to tell him, you got everything <laughs> I got. That one cassette tape, baby, was it. And uh, he said, well, I, I want everything you got. So I spoke in the Greek tense. I mean, I'd majored at Greek at Baylor. I, I said, well, I'll get to you my other materials in the near future, <laughs> which means when I get home, i got to crank it out. Yeah. Well, he said, well, I'll call you. Well, you know, a lot of people say they're going to call you, and you never hear from them. Well, on Wednesday, following Wednesday, he called. His secretary said, do you have time to talk to Dr. Dobson? I said, yes, ma'am. He said, Swanee, we loved it, and we want everything you got. And then he started having me for this, and then the Renewing the Heart Conference. Sure. You know, he said, women speak to women. You know, but Lisa uh, uh, Harper went to bat for me and said, but he's, we, we want him to, well, let me pray about it. So after they'd done the first one, I did all the rest of them. You know, I would, I'd go first, and then he'd go after me, and then all the lady speakers. And, and then just... Everything doors opened up. Uh, you know my TV show Swan's Place, and your wife uh, is on the set. Yeah, she was at <clears throat> she was at FamilyNet back in the mid '90s. She was at Southwestern yeah. Seminary doing a master's program, and uh, she said she used to drive people to the airport who were on your show, and she just said you were so kind and so friendly and funny. And uh, uh, she was excited. I mean, we we both have followed oh, you through the funny. years, so it's fun to yeah, uh, fun to talk. Well, that, to you. that happened, you know. I I'd gone, you know. I said, you know, I just got to get out there and get. So I went to the uh, uh, oh the evangelical uh, radio television thing, whatever they call that thing. NRB, and, probably right. Yeah, yeah, and they said, okay, you get you. Uh, we're going to give you ten minutes right before Doctor David Jeremiah speaks. So I got up there and just did ten minutes. And, and I had those cassette tapes in my pocket, you know, that, from Dr. Dobson. And I was passing them out like I was a, some kind of a salesman. They probably looked at me and said, you worldly thing or something. But I I said, hey, if you need to laugh, here's a little cassette tape. Well, uh, you know, Mark, Martin uh, Coleman came, came up to me and said, hey, have you thought about a TV show like, uh, with FamilyNet or whatever? And uh, I went, well, uh, and... We started talking about it. We could call it Swan's Place. And we talked about, you know, designing it sort of like a background of Andy Griffith kind of a look show. And that thing took off. And people loved that show. Mm. And, uh, well, that was a, that was another big blessing. You know, when you're on TV, people think you're bigger than what you are. You know, if you see the weatherman at the Cracker Barrel, you go, oh, my gosh, there's that guy on television, the radio. The yeah, it has a, well, has a magnifying you know, effect, right? It, it magnifies. And, uh, you know, so all that, you know, had God's hand on hmm. on me and uh, blessing me. And hopefully I've encouraged other people um, because we need to encourage one another now that his day is drawing near. and. So, you know, I mean, to this day, I still do some voices and stuff. A lot of my stories and stuff people can watch on YouTube and uh, my website and stuff. But, uh, you know, I still, if I see people in the audience my age, you know, I can still 
go out there and do my little Ronald Reagan. Well, may, uh, may I say this, Paul? Um, I, yes, um, I knew Paul, uh, yes, Harvey. I knew, matter of fact, uh, Paul, I know you did the book on Arnie Palmer, and I, well, yes, uh, I knew him. And, you know, they made a big to-do about my age. You remember when I was running for president, and uh, it bothered me and bothered Nancy always. Uh, yes, um, bringing up my age. I remember having coffee with Abraham Lincoln one time, Paul, and he said it bothered him, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Of now, if I do a Republican, then I got to do a Democrat. So my Bill Clinton is high. Let me just say this, Paul: Do not tell Hillary I called in right now. I mean, she's very sensitive. <laughs> you know, I met Ronald Reagan back in 1997. Oh, really? It was the end of his uh, public uh, meetings. He had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 1994, right. and my mom, uh, such a good mom, she'd send me clippings from the paper and. And she had seen that he was still receiving guests at a Century City office. And uh, she just wrote me a note like a mom would and said, you should go see him. And I thought, oh, right, like I'm going to go see Ronald Reagan. But I thought, well, my mom suggested it. I sent them a letter. or I think I sent them a letter. And they called me within a few weeks. And they said, when would you like to come and meet him? And so got to go do it. And uh, it was 10 minutes in his office. And he was somewhat cogent. He brought me to the window. He brought me to the window. And he pointed down to the park and he said, uh, I like to go feed the birds down at that park. And then he said, I was sitting on a bench one day and I was feeding the birds and a boy came up and sat down next to me. And the boy said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I said to them, well, well, I, I used to be president. And the boy looked up and said, well, what do you do now? And, and he said, well, I'm, I'm retired. <clears throat> and he said, the boy just looked up at him and said, well, can I have some of your bread? Like the kid didn't care that he had been president or that he yeah. was retired as president, but uh, that voice just evokes a lot of good oh. warmth, and you do it so yeah. well. Well, he just he had, and he had timing. He had great timing. Uh, you know, good humorists, good comedians have timing. Uh, you know, and you know, I look back when I watch my TV show. I still my TV show. I let them air it on uh, Direct TV channel 377 on Saturday afternoons, and you know, see what I looked like when I was young. But I, I'll watch myself, and you know, I'd, I'd be going too fast. You know, sometimes you got to slow down. Mm. You know, like today on the, uh, with you, I, there's so much to talk about, but but usually time your timing, uh, slow it down. Let people get on board, then hit them with that punchline. Get them on board. Uh, I love to be around those people uh, that make me uh, laugh. Uh, I love to be with people that make my wife, my honey love, laugh, that make my boys laugh. Uh, a good laughter, uh, clean laughter lasts a long time. Mm. It has a shelf life that's long. Uh, this is Dr. So I, I encourage other guys, to, you know, don't, don't go down the road of being uh, nasty yeah. uh, and filthy. It, it takes more creative creativity i think to be funny and clean but you can do it and 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 uh and you want to i want to do something that my my grandkids can watch you know yeah. uh, of anything i've ever done and laugh at old papa my mom used to say people with you know uh, foul language just had poor vocabularies um but you're right it does take more effort and more time and more thought um we're talking with dr dennis swanberg he's the minister of encouragement um, 
appearing at a church near you. Look him up on his website. Uh, Dr. Swanberg, you mentioned loving to laugh. I mean, a comedian spends his lifetime and is, you know, making others laugh. Who makes you laugh? Is there any up-and-coming comedian or someone that you find particularly humorous these days? Well, you know, uh, I used to do a lot of stuff for Premier Designs uh, jewelry when they would have their big rallies and what have you. And I remember one day, uh, Leanne uh, uh, Morgan was uh, up there, and she was uh, doing some stuff. And and, uh, I said, man, you ought to do stand-up. And now she's out there doing uh, stand-up, and she's funny. Uh, You know, uh, I like, uh, but I still like getting back on YouTube and and just watching, uh, you know, well, like I'm, you know, no, I'm getting a little older, but I've got uh, the 26 volumes DVDs of the Dean Martin roasts. <laughs> oh, those are good. And I'm telling you, you know, gosh, and I have the best of J- of Johnny Carson, and I watch go back and Don Rickles and and all that kind of. It, it was, I grew up in a day where you know, even on the dais, there would be Billy Graham, there would be Ronald Reagan, mm. there would be Frank Sinatra, there would be all of them, and it was a, a, a free-for-all of uh, of laughter and picking on one another back and forth. And we live in a, a day today where uh, you have to be so careful of uh, such sensitivities out there. And what's sad is when people can't laugh at uh, themselves. It's not laughing so to speak, at others, it's it's all laughing, you know, together. Don't mm-hmm. take yourself so seriously, and take God seriously. But we need that laughter. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Mm-hmm. If the bones dry up, they can get brittle and break. And if they break, then you got then you can't walk or run, and then you got to take Beniva uh, <laughs> for bone density. But you ladies out there, Beniva, and I tell people what I do for my bone density is bluebell ice cream. <laughs> oh my. Gosh, that'll set you free. But, <laughs> what, you know, and there's a time for tears, and there's a time for laughter, according to Ecclesiastes. And we've come out of this COVID, and that was tough on all of us, on every one of us. And we've cried, and we've had, but it's time to laugh again. And uh, our senior adults need laughter. I do a lot of senior adult stuff because, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize that the uh, suicide rate in senior adults is is way too high and growing faster than any other age bracket. Uh, we don't need to lose hope. We need to we need to keep our spirit and our joy, uh, and, and and go out there and live life. Don't quit. You know, keep mm. keep going. Keep serving. Uh, keep loving. Keep laughing. Uh, keep believing. Uh, you know, when you when you get down a little bit, you know. Lighten up. I did a, a book for men called Breakfast Bible and Bull. It's a devotional for men. Every man needs a good breakfast, good Bible study, and shoot the bull with his buddies. Mm. Now, Pauline Bernadine does not like the word bull on there. I said, <laughs> well, Mama, I said, it's shoot the bull with the buddies. I don't like it. Uh, I said, well, I ain't changing it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want guys, our men, to, uh, you know, step up to the plate and lead their family with joy. And bring their family to church and to events that are uplifting and life-changing and fun. Why not fun faith? Why not faith that's fun and why not fun that's faith? Uh, I mean, joy to the world. The Lord has come, and he's here, and he's coming again. And uh, 
until then, I want him to find us living and laughing and loving and trusting. And uh, that's sort of how I look about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quitting. I'm I'm uh, I'm going forward, and uh, I'm finishing up a book called Grit. And uh, the, and then the byline underneath it is Don't Quit. And matter of fact, if anybody out there is interested in it, they can go to my website and click onto that QR code, whatever that means. That's what my son told me to say. But <laughs> you, it, I guess you put your phone up to it or something. I don't know. But it'll pop up, you know, the book and other stuff and other products and all that kind of stuff. Or go to my YouTube, Dennis Swanberg. Uh, YouTube and laugh a little. Mm. And when you get tired of me, just click me off. I ain't offended. (laughs) Well, Dr. Swanberg, it's been fun talking with you. Thank you for the time today. But more importantly, thanks for the ministry that you provide, the encouragement that you give, the example that you are. Uh, DennisSwanberg.com is the site with the QR code and lots of other information and material. And um, I just love the the, uh, example you are and the encouragement you give and and I hope we can do this again next time. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And, and hey, I thank the Lord for my Floyd, Leon, and Pauline Bernadine. I thank the Lord for my little honey love, Laurie, my boys, Chad and Dustin, my daughter-in-law, Brittany. Thank the Lord she married Dustin. She's a dog trainer. and He's learned to sit and fetch. And, and my two grandkids, Andrew James and Maxine, uh, they keep me going. Mm. And happy birthday to your mom uh, in, a, in a week yes, or so. Yes, sir. We're going to go celebrate her birthday, and and uh, and, and, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I got her. We got her a Texas Ranger uh, uh, baseball shirt. She loves the Rangers. And the number on the back is 94, and we put up her name. We call, put Polly, P-O-L-L-Y, Polly, 94. Uh-huh. So when she walks around the Independent Living Center with her walker, everybody be saying, Pauline, you're 94. <laughs> yes, I am. I got this from Dennis. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, enjoy that celebration. All right, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to What a Life with Paul Batura. Let him know what you're thinking. Follow Paul on Twitter at Paul Batura, or you can reach out to him on email at paul at paulbatura.com. Most importantly, live a life that emulates the admonition of the Apostle Paul, whose teachings are the inspiration for this show. Writing to believers at Philippi, Paul urged them, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We'll see you next time on What a Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.